Hello and welcome to Fine Dining in the UK, podcast episode 16. The podcast brought to you by www.findiningguide.co.uk. Today we welcome Jory White from Jory White PR. Welcome Jory. Very nice to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll just run through a brief 10 minute interview to uh, get some insight into yourself and your company. So if you'd just start us off by telling us a little bit of background about yourself. Well, as you can probably tell from my accent, which is now somewhere middle of the Atlantic, I'm originally from America, but I came to London about 20 years ago now, and I've been back and forth in the past, especially in the early days, Um, but this country is very much home to me and my family and my business now. Um, When I was still a teenager, I arrived and needed to finish my education, so I completed a degree in business with a focus on marketing at the American College in London. Um, I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do work-wise and through a sequence of events found myself as a second assistant manager at the Michelin starred Argyle restaurant in the King's Road. Um, They looked after me and organized an introduction to the original guru of modern restaurant PR, Alan Crompton Batt. And this was the start of your working in restaurant PR? I spent a period of time working for Alan and learned a huge amount in a very short space of time. The job was pretty intense and I happened to be introduced via a journalist from The Guardian to Iqbal Wahab. Iqbal hired me to look after restaurant PR, in particular the new business outside of the Asian market. This worked out pretty well and I brought a lot of business in and a number of clients in the first year to Iqbal's company. And Iqbal had then started editing Tandoori magazine and he had visions of opening the cinnamon club at that point. So gradually restaurant PR wasn't part of his longer term strategy. So, in 1995, I suggested to Iqbal that I was planning on starting my own business in PR, and he kindly didn't object to me retaining what had become the original Jory White PR client base. So, initially, Jory White PR was focused on restaurants. For the first four to five years, I did pretty much exclusively restaurant PR. In fact, I did the launch of the Cinnamon Club for Iqbal, as we're still on good terms. And subsequently, in 1997... I did the launch of Marco Pierre White's Mirabelle. That launch had great coverage, including a TV series following Marco through the launch process on Channel 5, which was fantastic. Sounds like fun. This makes the early years sound glamorous, but they were pretty tough too. Lots of determination, networking, and developing contacts is a must in this business. You have to be out there. And in the restaurant PR scene, it's a fact of life that you get face-to-face time with your contacts because you tend to meet them over lunch or dinner. In other areas of PR, getting face-to-face time to build relationships can be a lot more challenging because you don't have restaurants to go to. Um, However, I was quietly determined to win the pitch in other business areas. This was how the broader lifestyle PR started? It was a natural business flow from restaurants to food and drink to hotels and travel and then you're doing hotels and they have spas in them so you then start doing spas and you do beauty products because it's related to spas and it's just a very natural progression Um, and these clients might start off in a chain but they very quickly become independent of each other and we now have different teams in the agency looking after each different area. Being able to offer the broader consumer lifestyle PR has also helped raise the bar on contact levels. Um, for example, if you can offer an editor some copy across five different areas, um, 
then not only do you service five different clients at once, but you also get to liaise with much more senior levels at the publication than if you were just focusing on one area and it was a one-dimensional aspect of, of, of the company as such. And were there any other areas where you decided to expand the business? Business expansion-wise, the automotive industry was always of personal interest. It's very much in my blood. I love cars. And my first client in that area was RM Auctions, the world's largest classic car auction house. So not a bad client to start with. Through that engagement, I was introduced to Mr. Eccleston, who asked me to help launch his daughter's menswear line, Form, the Formula One menswear line. The drivers wore the clothes at the fashion show. Um, it was a fashion show for charity at the Monaco Grand Prix. And that was a seriously great day. I also, um, I was also asked by RM Auctions to launch the Ferrari auction in Maranello, where I met the people from Ferrari. And I was, as a result of that, I was invited to pitch for the launch of the Ferrari store. I remember getting on the plane to go to Maranello with my team for the presentation and feeling a little scared as we were up against some large multinational companies. I have to say it was a huge highlight of my career to win that account. But coming back to the restaurant PR aspect, having a new restaurant launch is in my heart and soul. It's where I started my business and I feel that I need to be doing it all the time and be very, very active in that area. It really makes me feel great to do a restaurant launch. And so how would you define lifestyle PR? Lifestyle PR is very consumer-led and it's multidimensional. In other words, you wake up in, and everything we do as consumers from morning to night, whether we realize it or not, is part of our lifestyle. The products and the brands that we use may be subconsciously interconnected, but they also stand alone. And in fact, it's important to be able to understand the multidimensional package when you're servicing clients so you can take them out of their particular area and put them into another area of the press. Um, for example, when you launch a shopping center or you work on a shopping center PR, it's about aspiring consumer lifestyle. So fashion, beauty, food and drink, possibly automotive and so on. So it's a natural for a lifestyle PR company to cover the whole launch. The alternative could be, um, in this example, maybe there's a specialist individual PR companies who have neither the interconnected knowledge of a lifestyle PR package, so it doesn't really have the economy of scale. Because in a shopping center, you need the entire package, as opposed to just restaurant PR, or just automotive PR, or just fashion PR. You need a lifestyle PR agency. And tell us some more about the history of your company. In the beginning, there was me and a laptop and a hope. And via my boyfriend at the time, I had a very small office in a space in Ganton Street in Soho. But after a few months, I'd moved my business to my living room in West Kensington, having broken up with that boyfriend. Having started with the Soho address, it seemed very important to keep it. And loving Soho, I had all the mail and telephones redirected to from the office in Ganton Street to my house. And that worked. I saved some money for six months. And I had enough to cover a year's rent on a fourth floor in fourth floor office in Brewer Street. And we grew organically in Brewer Street. As I got more business and I took on more people, we took over more office space. So we went from one office to a second office on the fourth floor to the third office on the floor, fourth floor. And we ended up with the entire fourth floor. Apart from the stairs were a bit of a killer because <laughs> there was no lift. <laughs> um, kept us fit though. Uh, and we were growing and we were doing well. So I decided to buy some office space as opposed to renting. So we moved to where we are now in Boucher Street. I've always loved Soho and I love having office space here. It just 
feels where I am meant to work and have my working life. And at the moment, we're 17 people. We tend to have a degree of flexibility in that, as most PR agencies should. And we take people on who are freelance to help us with projects or from freelance to permanent, depending on how business flow is, etc. And this is after the credit crunch. Everyone's experienced the credit crunch. And as a company, we've decided very much to stand our ground on fees. As a cornerstone philosophy of the business, we over-deliver and under-promise. And if the customer is expecting X, you better make damn sure they get X plus Y. I knew that clients would need even more time and harder work spent to achieve the same high-quality deliverables as in good economic times, so there was no way fees could come down. Last September, business took a strong upturn, and thankfully we've done very well considering the tough times that everybody's been through. And what is your go-to-market structure? Each client will have a team, although I'm very hands-on with both the customer and the key contacts of the business. I also participate in all the strategies of campaigns for clients. It's really what I love doing. Customer satisfaction is absolutely king, and we make sure that we do everything we can to ensure that our clients are satisfied. This can be very much managed by setting the right expectations based upon our knowledge and our expertise in the world of PR. We also make sure that we set targets and KPIs, key performance indicators, and we monitor the achievement of these objectives to benefit the customer. And what are your plans for the future? Our plans for the future, probably the same as everybody else. We really want to grow. We're not, we're not different to many other agencies in that respect. And referral business is vitally important and represents about 90% of what we do, which comes back to maintaining client satisfaction. Um, Add-on campaigns are going to be a big part of repeat business, and it's going to be in part, an important part that will be driven by the digital information revolution. Twitter and Facebook, the net in general, it's a whole new area. And we must pay attention to it because it's going to be very exciting and very rewarding for the future. Well, on that bright note of looking to the future, we'd like to thank Jory White for your participation today with this broadcast. Simon, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you for having me. That concludes podcast episode 16 of Fine Dining in the UK, the podcast brought to you by www.finedininguide.co.uk. Until next time, happy eating. Thank you.